The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Wednesdays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Scalatory, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Good to have you in, Cowboy. We are loaded up. People are hot on Twitter. The Ohio State exception is getting louder and louder due to COVID and what happens. Man, people are after Stuart Mandel. Man, people are after Ralph Russo. And uh, you know what? Nebraska looks pretty darn smart from a statement uh, they issued a while back, and we'll get into it. Numbers to dial in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Herbal Essence for Elijah at Schmidt underscore radio for me, and can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Mike Babcock from Hale Varsity going to join us here in about 20 minutes. Mike Shuhart, Shuey, will uh, check in. We'll get his take on some golf. And, of course, uh, he'll have a take or several on football. Brad Edwards to join us, uh, college football insider with ESPN. We'll get his take on the college football playoff and what's the smart path for the Big Ten uh, if things get a little crazy and crusty with Ohio State in that six-game minimum to play in the conference title game. And we'll get thoughts on Purdue and the Big Ten from our friend Tom Deanhart from blackandgold.com. Got the numbers to get in. Let's lay out what is going on. So, you now have a couple of games canceled this weekend in the Big Ten. Michigan officially out. All right, you have Minnesota and Northwestern on the sidelines. Uh, Michigan, too, is going to sit this thing out. So what does that mean? Well, there is fear that Michigan may not be able to go. There is fear that Minnesota may not be able to go. Not this weekend. Ohio State is supposed to play Michigan State. But uh, the, the reality is this from some of the national pundits. If Ohio State does not get enough games, and right now the threshold to play in the conference championship game is you gotta, you know, you gotta have a minimum of of, of six games. Six games. Uh, Ohio State has already missed Maryland this year due to COVID. They have missed uh, Illinois due to COVID. So uh, if if the Michigan game does not happen, then that is strike three. You're out. Much like Wisconsin. Okay. So what is going to happen here for uh, Ohio State here if things continue to go the way they've been going? Stuart Mandel from The Athletic, editor-in-chief, uh, made this suggestion. 
and this thought, and Gary Barta is from Iowa. He's on the college football playoff committee. Uh, there is some issue. If, if there's not enough games for Ohio State, the committee could flip Ohio State out of the number four spot. And here comes another SEC team named Texas A&M. So Stewart says this, if Michigan can't play Ohio State, the Big Ten should take the Pac-12 approach and just find them another game. Someone else will inevitably get canceled. Does that not sound familiar? If you lose a game to COVID, do you try and replace a lost game? That was Nebraska's idea. Nebraska is still pulling arrows out of the side of their body uh, from the national beating they took. And there's some inference of, well, Nebraska wanted special circumstances. No! Nebraska just wanted to play a game to get better. We have all seen this season, and we have heard Scott Frost, this team needs to get better. They get better by playing. Because the while they've practiced a lot, they have not hit a lot, okay, due to the, the, the COVID circumstances. And you're seeing the, the lack of development, quite honestly, kind of flare and raise its ugly head. Would Nebraska be a better football team when it comes to shooting itself in the foot? Had they had more practices? Had they had more games? We'd like to think so. We don't know. But uh, this is wild. And, uh, you know, Nebraska getting getting some credit as well as Brian Cross, Chris Christopherson posting the, the comment from Nebraska uh, back in October. And folks got all over Nebraska in October with their with their their statement here. We believe in the flexibility to play non-conference games could have been beneficial, not only for Nebraska, but for other Big Ten teams who may be in a similar position as the season progresses. The ability for all Big Ten team, uh, Big Ten members to play a non-conference game if needed could provide another data point possible for the college football playoff. BYU has like 30 games under their belt, and they're still because of strength of schedule. I know Michigan's down this year. At least Ohio State has gotten the Indiana win, right? But, you know, where are you at as a Nebraska fan? Is, is the rematch something that's possible? Would Nebraska and Ohio State tee it up again if that's what's what's possible maybe uh would things be moved around so you make up the game with maryland now that they're back to playing football ohio state and maryland well maryland has a date with rutgers do you just tell rutgers to go sit in the corner sorry you lost your last game of the regular season because ohio state needs a game or do you move forward with a rematch mitch sherman uh, has a piece coming out, his sit-down with Bill Moose. A lot of things covered with the Moose. And <laughs> uh, Bill Moose seems to think, per an excerpt on Mitch's Twitter, that Minnesota should be okay. Minnesota, in, in two weeks, should be okay. L- let's hope that happens. I want to see Nebraska one more time against P.J. Fleck. I know what's on Nebraska's plate right now is is Purdue. But it's pretty wild. Barry Alvarez speaking earlier today uh, as he's part of the the competition committee. He's the guy, one of the guys that made the rules about, you know, the six-game minimum. Well, he's now readjusting, saying the Big Ten needs to rethink that criteria. Right now, uh, you still have a sizable lead if you're Northwestern because you've won the head-to-head game against Wisconsin. 
stranger things have happened, though. If you dial back that six-game minimum and Northwestern doesn't get out of its tailspin, I think they will. But if they don't, that might open things up for Wisconsin to to get in and, and be your Big Ten West representative. Listen, I know that Nebraska has been ahead of the curve on this. I know Nebraska's thought uh, broader and more realistic than many of their peers and chancellors and presidents in the Big Ten. Nebraska's been right on this all along, and they've been treated like a redheaded stepchild. You know, Nebraska wears red. So I think, in my opinion, you want the payday. You've moved forward with this season, and while it looks like it's special treatment to Ohio State, you got to ask yourself, do you want a Big Ten representative in the college football playoff, yes or no? And if there needs to be some earth movement for Ohio State to to get a little help from the conference, are you good with that as long as they get to a college football playoff and that payday's spread throughout? That's really the question. Do you want a team that has a chance to compete for a national championship to get that green light, even if things you were calling for earlier and got shut down on now get reconfigured for somebody else? It's really, it's really the, the question in front of us on that. And it's it's a greater good for the league. It'd be doing Ohio State a solid. And, and they're, they're a good team. They're unbeaten if they stay unbeaten. But if they lose games out to COVID, I'd be all for rematching them if you're Nebraska or figuring out a way to get Ohio State another ball game uh, to get them a chance to play in the playoff, assuming they, they keep running the table and they win the Big Ten. The way I see it, Ohio State was with Nebraska before the season whenever it was coming down to, are we even going to play football this year? Nebraska needed a teammate like Ohio State in that battle. Needed that to, voice. To even get this season back. If if this was Nebraska uh, in a place where they'd only played a couple games and maybe they need to get in the college football playoff, I know that seems so far away and Doesn't so it? far-fetched right now <laughs> to think that maybe that could be us. But if I put myself in those shoes... Uh, I know Nebraska fans will be kicking and screaming uh, to get the rules changed to get Nebraska in the college football playoff because Ohio State's one of the better teams we've seen in the Big Ten uh, just based on their performances this year uh, since Nebraska's joined the Big Ten. Well, and and you got a, a former Buckeye that, that kind of went off last night uh, during the college football playoff reveal, and uh, Kirk Herbstreet apologized later last night, went on radio, I think, in Detroit this morning, but this was pretty fascinating with, you know, you can't beat them on the field if you're Michigan. So what do you do? You're going to pull the COVID card. I say that quasi tongue in cheek, but hey, that would absolutely, if you can't beat them on the field, you can sure as hell keep them out of the playoff another way if you're Michigan. But here's part of Kirk Herbstreet last night, uh, doubling down. Uh, on some accusations. And Herb Street knows all the, the, the major power players in college football. He does. They text him. He texts them. His kids play at Clemson. So you've had accusations all year long by some coaches towards other teams. They just don't want to get beat down. So they're they're using one case of COVID or X number of cases of COVID to get out of the game and save face. Here's Kirk Herbstreet. 
I don't know all the, the uh, numbers as far as their COVID is concerned. I'm just saying it, it, we live in such a strange world that I, I've talked to a lot of coaches around the country that have said they really feel teams are opting out to avoid playing games because they don't want to get humiliated. They don't want to get uh, they don't want to lose with the team that they have. They don't necessarily have too many uh, COVID positives. They just don't want to have to take the field with the team they have and go get embarrassed. So they're basically waving the white flag and saying we can't can't play. So there's a lot of that that's being talked about around the country. I'm not suggesting, I have no idea what Michigan's situation is. I'm saying they have the power to potentially say, hey, we don't, we, we can't play next week. And there's nothing Ohio State could do about it if they decide to say that. That, that is true. I'll say this. Any team that does that, uh, that, they're not teaching any kind of lesson. They don't stand for anything. They have no, they have no courage. They have no character. Anybody that would do that purposely mm-hmm. just to sabotage another team. There's there's real competition. There's real angst. There are coaches that really don't like one another. There are programs that hate one another. But at the heart, I think from a competitive standpoint, you can't go there at Michigan. You can't go there at Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh wears cleats around his living room. Harbaugh wears cleats on his wood floor in the kitchen. The guy wishes he could still play. He wants to go out there and earn it. And we'll get to the Herb Street apology in a second. But, man, uh, Florida State is who I think yeah, that's exactly is getting circled right now because they have they have ticked off a couple teams in consecutive weeks. They ticked off Clemson. And who, who got pissed at Florida State last weekend? Like a last-second cancellation. We have no interest in going down to Florida State again. It was. Let me let me pull up where Florida State was. Who Florida State was supposed to host last weekend? But there seems to be a lot of smoke towards the the old Seminoles uh, with uh, some of the accusations. But you had an Ohio State State guy throwing some uh, some shade at Michigan, and uh, with Florida State, I mean, man, that's you'd hate for that to, to be the case. Virginia. Coach Mendenhall, he kind of echoed a little bit of what Dabo was saying. Now, Herbie found time to apologize, which is cool. But it'd be nice if some of these folks that have lit torches, grabbed tire irons, and uh, grabbed the arrows from their quill would follow Herbie's suit and say, you know what, Nebraska? I'm a national rider from Missouri. You know what, Nebraska? I'm a Heisman winner from Michigan. You know what, Nebraska? I'm a brilliant uh, rider from Northwestern. You guys had it right all the way. You weren't looking for special treatment. You fought to play. Clearly, your team's one in four. And the smart thing in hindsight, if you're just about record and saving embarrassment second-half moments against Ohio State, the entire Illinois game. I mean, you'd like to erase that. <laughs> Absolutely. It would have been easier not to play and get pinated. But that's not how Nebraska works. That's not how Scott Frost operates. They went and played. They want to get better. Someday they want to be in position to, to knock on a West Division door, right? Get a chance Saturday to try and move the record up. Here's Kirk Herbstreet, his apology. Uh, Last check, it it was nearing a million hits on social media. But he kind of recalibrated and said, man, I I was in the wrong here. 
Hey, guys, um, just wanted to just uh, speak for a second about some comments that I made earlier tonight on our college football uh, ranking show. Ma- made some comments about Michigan, about the potential of them waving a white flag and, and intentionally trying to avoid playing Ohio State by just saying, hey, we have too many cases and, and we're going to opt out. Um, I have no business at all saying that. I have no evidence of that. It was completely unfair to the University of Michigan, uh, to Jim Harbaugh, to his players and coaches. And I just want to apologize. He says, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting about it. Sorry. So, you know, and Nebraska fans are in full lit torch mode going after Stuart Mandel, going after those who have come after Nebraska. So, and Dr. Rob Zadiska getting after Ralph Russo. I, I don't think Russo's wrong with the benefit of Ohio State getting them into a into a college football playoff, but doesn't see the difference. His take was Nebraska playing podunk U was about Nebraska's benefit. We'll talk to Mike Babcock next from Ale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herba. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mike Babcock, 40-plus years of college football excellence at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, put on your commissioner hat. What do you do for Ohio State? Well, um, now, now, first of all, I'm going to say the former the apology from the former Ohio State Buckeye. Um, I, 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 although I'm glad that he did it um, in, in the social media age, mm-hmm. pretty tough to undo that. Once you get the idea out there, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can apologize, but you've already lit the fire and you can't put it out, as far as I can see. Um, and 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 I think that's unfortunate because I think any kind of suggestion in this time that we're dealing with with this horrible virus, you don't make comments like that. I don't care what you think. You don't make comments like that um, because this is a bad time and and bad things are happening to people. But um, you know, and the and the Big Ten commissioner has created this situation. Yeah. Um, and. You know, there's another thing now. So you gotta, you gotta backtrack and figure out a way because you've, you've really sort of hamstrung, uh, potentially hamstrung, uh, the best team in your conference uh, in terms of can it, can it get to the uh, college football playoff? Now, having said that, to my mind, you might as well just say Alabama, Clemson in a championship game and just dispense with the rest of this stuff. Even the Clemson Notre Dame and all that—it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Notre Dame's not going to beat Clemson. It's going to be Alabama and Clemson, to my way of thinking. Um, but uh, Ohio State wants a chance. You know, you guys have been talking about that. You want to be able to compete if you're Nebraska or if you're Ohio State or whatever. And uh, Ohio State's putting itself in a position where it could conceivably, you know, play for a national championship. So. Um, how do you how do you overcome a potential problem that was created by the conference uh, at the beginning of the season? 
And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. Well, it's going to be Barry Alvarez leading the way with the competition committee, revisiting the six-game threshold. So there can at least be a conference championship game. You get a conference championship game, you win that. All right, we're Ohio State. We're 6-0. and <laughs> yeah, but I I think what you need to do is they'll they'll need to if they can't they need to beat Michigan State first. Okay, right. secondly, uh, they need to figure out what can happen. Is that a rematch in Lincoln? If Minnesota can't go, if Minnesota's okay to go, it's Nebraska and uh, Minnesota the twelfth. Great. So you've got Rutgers and you have Maryland that are scheduled to play. Okay. Uh, do you make up the Maryland Ohio State game and, and sit right? I mean, what do you do if you're the league there? If you're for for some weekend, you don't have a chance to have two cancellations, right? I mean, that's always right. what do you do to get him that extra game? Do you make an exception after apologizing to Nebraska, of course, and uh, and let him let him schedule something with? If you can't get a conference game in there, do you go outside the league and let a one-time exemption happen? And Nebraska just wanted to play; they weren't looking for special treatment. I mean that that was that's what was misunderstood nationally, Babbers, don't you think? Right? No, I no, I agree. And I, there's going to we know the Big Ten. There's going to be no apology to Nebraska, whatever the Big Ten does. Right. I mean, they, they can step in and say, "Well, Ohio State can play a non-conference game to fill out that spot or whatever." Um, that, is, but it's not going to be any apology to Nebraska. They're going to look at it from a practical standpoint and just do what they do. I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation, and it, it it's unfortunate that that the Big Ten wouldn't concede that point to Nebraska. Which I never, we never understood that anyway, right? I mean, what's the big deal if Nebraska can schedule a non-conference game against a, an opponent that apparently was testing at least as well as the Big Ten, if not better? Um, you know, wh- where was the harm in that and, and allowing that? Why be stubborn there? But now, when you're in a situation where it does matter, it has an implication for the prestige of the conference. Um, you're going to make an exception. And, you know, again, I don't think there's going to be any apology to Nebraska, but but from the standpoint of Ohio, from Ohio State's standpoint, I would like to see them make that change because I don't want Ohio State to be penalized because of the situation it's in. The same kind of concern I had when Nebraska wasn't allowed to do it uh, applies to Ohio State. And, I, you know, I don't think it's, on some level, I don't think it's fair to just say, well, you know, we, we messed up with Nebraska, so we're going to mess up with Ohio State. I don't think that's fair. Fix it. Fix it yeah, if you can fix, fix it. it. Do the right thing. For once, do the right thing. You know, I mean, you haven't to this point, but it's never too late to do the right thing. Mike, I might be getting way ahead of myself here, but... Next week, Ohio State playing Michigan, mm-hmm. as all the drama has been, mm-hmm. uh, which would be their sixth game. Um, and Nebraska is playing Minnesota, who's also had some well-documented issues with COVID this year. Uh, if the event comes where Minnesota and Nebraska is canceled and Michigan-Ohio State is canceled, would you be against a rematch with Ohio State if that's what it takes to get them into the college football playoff? Well, I, I don't think I would be against it if, if that's what – if, if that's the option to give Ohio State an opportunity 
and Nebraska wants to play games, and I don't think Nebraska would back down from an opportunity like that to play the game. Um, and I, and I, you know, based on just what's happened so far, I, I I'm really skeptical that the Minnesota game is going to get played. Um, but um, again, it, it's a it's a difficult issue, and I bet there's you know everybody has a different opinion about that, and they probably hear me say, "Yeah, go ahead and play Ohio State, Nebraska again," and they think, you know, what kind of a, a silly comment is that? But uh, you know, I I believe that Nebraska wants to play games, and if it can't play Minnesota, it's willing to play whomever, and and Ohio State needs that game and probably is willing to play certainly play Nebraska again. So. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and do that. Now the question is then, um, where do you we play that game? Where? In, in, I, mean, I think you turn the I think you turn the lights on down at Tenth and Vine, Babbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let them come to let them come to Memorial Stadium. It's not quite um, Miami or Florida State in December, but <laughs> no. And what's you know what's a different Memorial Stadium was was based after or was a uh, you know part of the plan was. Uh, based on Ohio State Stadium, so yeah. what, what the heck? It's a, yeah, no kidding. Babbers got a few minutes left here. What you take away so far? Your early returns on Husker basketball and choppy last night, but a game that Nebraska lost last year. Uh, similar team, similar situation. They they found a way to win. I know they they're kind of loaded with some talent, but uh, Nebraska was able to to kind of grind forward last evening at a later tip-off time. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that's the thing is that the, uh, I'm always concerned, I guess, when, when you recruit a lot of transfer players and you got, you know, all new players and you're trying to get them to mesh and so forth, um, it, it's going to take some time to do that. Um, and that. And that's the thing that you pointed out that, that you see on the floor. There's talent. You know, there's talent out there. Um, it's, it just becomes a question of getting that talent to mesh in a way that uh, is going to be competitive in a in a really tough, I think, Big Ten. Yeah. Um, that's the thing is uh, on the horizon. That's what you're looking at down the road is a, is a really uh, rugged conference and a tough conference schedule. So, but I think Nebraska has talent, and uh, it's just a, just a matter of you know getting it. Uh, getting it to, to mesh. Mike Babcock's with us. Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers' thoughts on Saturday, Nebraska v. Purdue. Uh, tight uh, number, I think minus two is what Vegas says. Another one-possession game likely. Both teams have had their ups and downs with that situation. Yeah, you know, that that's, you know, I don't, I never dispute what Vegas seems to have a pretty good idea of what these things happen, how these things happen. But, you know, I, I think Nebraska is going to give a good effort. And uh, I'll be interested to see how how, uh, how they decide to use the quarterbacks in this game. But, uh, you know, I, I think Nebraska is going to give Purdue a good go, and, and it, it's going to come down to the end, and Nebraska is going to have an opportunity again. And, you know, can you get something done at the end? You know, that, what last year's game, what? The lead changed hands four times in the fourth quarter. It did, um, and it, and it it's going to be uh, uh, Purdue has all uh, Purdue's games. All of Purdue's games have been 
no more than one score difference, win or loss. So I think I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a very competitive game. It's going to come down to the end. You know, we got about a minute and a half here. The uh, the Diaco Bowl. I mean, that's that's another sub, yeah. subplot to this. And you know, his de- the, the Purdue defense is better. They're good in the red zone. I'm anxious to see, you know, what, what Nebraska can do once they get in the red zone. I mean, I'd like to see Nebraska turn the corner and, and find a way to win one of these things. And I know Nebraska fans are that way as well. But, you know, the, these are, in, in a brutal season, these are lessons that maybe as young as this team is, they can take with them forward in their career. So you're on the right side of some of those one-score games. Yeah, and I'd like to see a, a running back come in there, and you know, I'd like to see Nebraska be able to pound the ball a little bit. You know, I and, and I don't know, I don't know who that is. You know, uh, who that's going to be, but that's what I'd like to see is to get a running back going, and then, I th- you know, if you can get that and start pounding the ball, um, then things open up for the quarterbacks, and and uh, and you see a, a better opportunity to win the game. About twenty seconds, Babbers. Uh, what did you think of Adrian? I thought he looked. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good. I did. I did too. And, and you know, I, I just I love his attitude. Mm-hmm. He's got a great attitude. I can see why his teammates elected him one of the captains. Uh, Not- tremendous, uh, tremendous character guy. Mike Babcock's with us. Babbers. We'll check in again next week, and we'll see how things shake out in West Lafayette. And uh, we'll keep our radar up here on what uh, happens with Ohio State, the Big Ten, and this whole COVID mess. You stay safe and healthy, Babbers. Thanks for jumping on with us. Never a dull moment. Be safe, guy. <laughs> you too. Mike Babcock with us. Uh, find him on Twitter at MDBabs. Read him with HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Brad Edwards, 20 minutes away. His thoughts on the college football playoff and the Big Ten. If a... You know, change of heart can happen if need be with Ohio State. And Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge coming up. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. An update uh, from Michigan's athletic director, Ward Manuel. He, uh, will respond to the covert agenda Michigan was accused of having. We welcome in Mike Shuart. No covert agenda for Shuey. He's just going to help you putt better, tee off better, and uh, get that short game and uh, mid-range game rolling out of Wilderness Ridge at uh, Mike Shuart on Twitter. Shuey, are you bundled up? Are you still on the tee box? How are you? No, I'm doing good, man. I just got done with the lesson. With actually Mr. Aaron Babcock, trying to make him better. Beautiful. Uh, good for Babbers, man. Yeah. I'm working on it. I just hand money to him, you know, from the putting green. <laughs> I just say, man, you uh, you got it going. You got it going. And, Shuey, it was great to see you on the weekend. Played out of my mind. I putted well. I heard that. Yeah. I mean, it was. That's always fun. Didn't even go. I didn't even OJ it. I, I mean, I just. <laughs> I was pretty, uh, pretty legit. It was good, man. So it was awesome to be out there 60 and beautiful out of wilderness on saturday so uh let's dive in a a little bit here i know you've been following along a little bit with college football specifically the dilemma ohio state could find themselves in if if you're making the schedule and things get a little shaky a week from saturday and nebraska's got the opportunity to uh 
to take on Rutgers or Ohio State. Do you want the big dog or do you want the tight ball game against uh, Mr. Wahoo? Oh, man. I take. You always want to take on the big dog because you always got to take the big dog down. That's all. That's who you want to play. If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And we'll, we'll give a Ric Flair woo to, to that. <laughs> so, so you're saying, you know, thank you, Mr. Vedral. It'd be fun. It'd be tight. But uh, let's... Let's go round two with the Ohio State. I get you. I'm kind of that way as well. Let's see Ohio State a second time. You know what would be great, though, is if things get cleared up and Michigan gets to play Ohio State and Nebraska gets to play Minnesota. That'd be, that'd be ideal. That would be ideal. So That'd be, that'd be actually kind of fun. It'd be all right. I think that'd be good. So uh, anything that pleased you against Iowa, and how do you feel about Purdue on Saturday? Oh, our defense played better, no question about it. Um, man, we got to get our offense figured out. Not sure what they're going to do with that, um, but I mean, they they showed some signs and they showed some fight, you know, after they played not very good against Illinois and they came back and at least put up a good fight against them. So that was good to see. So hopefully they can build upon that and, and get going in the right direction. But they got to get some. They've got to get some identity on offense and what the heck they're going to do and be able to do it. They, they do. What, what you, I mean, you recruited the number of years, and, and you got kids from around the region, but once in a while you'd venture outside the old 500-mile radius and get kids not only uh, outside the U.S., but also kids in some golf hot spots as well. And you know, the the topic also has been attrition, and you've seen it happen with Nebraska, specifically with their Florida connection. What have you, in your years of, of coaching and recruiting, taken away with with getting and keeping kids that are that are quite a ways from home? How difficult was that to, to have that conversation when kids decide, you know what, maybe it's time to leave, or they're thinking about leaving? Yeah, it's always a tough one, man. You're a long ways from home. If you can keep them through that first semester or first year, usually you can keep them. But, man, that first semester is brutal. They get homesick. They're a long ways away from home. They're they're either not playing. Uh, they're still trying to adjust. Just a lot on them. They get pretty wound up, you know, and they, and they get pretty homesick and they want to get back home. So it's like if you can fight through that first semester – sometimes in the first year, then then they settle in and they're usually okay. But that first year is a tough one, trying to keep them. And then you add, you know, not doing what it is that they're used to doing. Because mm-hmm. all these kids that are coming in, man, they're, they're pretty high, high profile. You know, they're used to winning. They're used to playing, you know, and playing well. And now all of a sudden they're not playing. Um, they're sitting around. They're getting worse, they feel. You know, so it's like there's a lot of stuff that goes on in their head. So if you can if you can keep them, then they're, then they're usually okay. But that first semester is tough, you know. And losing, you know, it doesn't help. You know, winning takes care of a lot of things. You know, losing, man, that brings up lots of questions. People are always questioning. They always have the answers. I should be playing because so I'm better than that guy. You know, I don't know why they're not playing me. That's why we're losing, so on and so forth. So it's like it just – it makes it even that much harder. You know, if you were winning, it'd be a little easier. 
Mike Schuhart with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, I know I personally am still a believer in Scott Frost, but have the results this year combined with the roster attrition that we've seen, does it make you, you doubt what Scott Frost is building here at Nebraska? Uh, there are some things that make me question, but for the most part, I mean, it, it's again, it goes back to, to winning. You know, we were in position a lot of times for the last couple of years to actually do some things to actually win some games. I think if we would have won those games, things would be a lot different now. But we, we didn't. We always find a way to lose them. So And then that, that starts to to build on itself. You know, it's like, how do you know how to win if you never won? You know, so it's like they got to start figuring out how to get some wins in the win column. So they start believing in what's going on, what's happening. It, Coaching too, you know they believe in what it is, but it's like you, you gotta, you can only believe so long before you show some results. If you're showing no results, you can believe all you want, but you're getting the opposite of what you believe. So that, that brings some doubt, you know. But it's not like they haven't been in position to do it. They just got to get over the hump and start turning some of those losses into wins. Should we uh, take away with Chuck and Phil and? Steph and Peyton, man, what happened with Charles Swing? Wow. I know it. What happened? I don't uh, know. Got filth- they gave him some shock therapy or something. <laughs> Either that or you wanted to win Phil's money. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's probably more enticing than anything. Just give me some of his money. Did you actually pretty good for the most part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the match, it was a little easier than expected, but were you entertained by it? Did you like the setup? Yeah, it's always fun, especially when you get those guys that are calling in and they're doing some commentary. I mean, that's always fun. That makes it very interesting, very different, you know. So it's it's I find it entertaining all the time. It's pretty fun. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey got about 45 seconds. Where can folks find you? They want lessons. They need a tee time if we get some uh, some weather uh, that is golf acceptable. I mean, I know you're always out there, brother. I am, man. It's I looked at the forecast. It looks pretty good for December. So it's like, it looks like golfing weather. So give us a call out here. Set up a tee time. Um, set up a lesson. Uh, it's still, as long as it's still playable, man, we're still golfing and we're still teaching. So give us a call out here at Wilderness Ridge and we can take care of you. Amen to that. That is good stuff. Shuey, uh, cheer hard and uh, have a boiler maker on, on Saturday, all right? All right. Will do. Take care, buddy. There he is. You too. Thanks, Thanks man. Mike Shuart with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. A lot of football, little golf. Shuey's got that big red hat on. I'm sure he does. We'll wind down our one. Brad Edwards, his take on the Big Ten, Ohio State, the playoff setup, and uh, Tom Deanhart will get us a look-see at Purdue. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. What final time this hour? It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. Get the podcast and uh, do so. Maybe uh, heard at uh, Media Network. You can find that uh, tab on uh, hailvarsity.com. Get the uh, 
interviews you want, the segments you want, also ESPNLincoln.com on demand. Elijah will have some of our conversations with Mike Babcock and Shuey, also Tom Deanhart, Brad Edwards, coming up on the Twitter handle as well, at ESPNLincoln uh, on Twitter. So uh, check all that out, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, write us, review us, uh, suggest to us, anxious and interested in your feedback. Reminder about moving. West Blue Realty is who you got to go with. If you're moving here in 2020 or 2021, they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And you know what? For a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity. West Blue Realty will provide you with up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby makes it happen at 402-540-3768. So does Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly's there to help as well at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. Get an appointment scheduled, 1120 K Street, Suite 200 in Lincoln. So, uh, we have heard... And I'm sorry, and an accusation from Kirk Herbstreet. We have heard Nebraska fans out in full force get after Stuart Mandel on social media and other national writers that were there to use Nebraska as a punching bag. And Nebraska's just kind of been right all along. And it's, it's not brain surgery, and our friend Dave Biddle Ohio State uh, insider, (laughs) he had an amazing point. You know, the one thing that every medical expert agreed upon, and there was a thousand different takes on this virus and playing football and when to go and yada, 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 that it was going to be a situation that had to be fluid. That, That was something you could accurately predict that it was going to be unpredictable. And for the this just kind of gets down to the root of the Big Ten was forced to move forward with a season when they thought they were going to be right and everyone was going to follow their lead in canceling a season. They had to backtrack. They had egg on their face. So they set this rim 15 feet high instead of 10 feet high. And what's going to happen there's a real chance Ohio State will not qualify for their own conference title game there's a real chance if they don't make exceptions and changes that Ohio State screwed and could be supplanted out of the college football playoff they still got to win games Ohio State's got to go unbeaten with whoever's on their schedule they got to win the Big Ten championship all that needs to happen but you're in real danger if you don't make some some movement here, some changes. Admit you're wrong again that uh, a team that has a chance to fight for a national championship will be left out. Okay, Elijah, we have uh, Jet Splash gift cards, don't we? Let's do it. All right, we have three to give away today. We're going to give away two right now. Caller 8, caller 9. Caller 8, caller 9. Get yourself a Jet Splash $25 gift card, 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865, caller 8, caller 9 right now, get those Jet Splash gift cards. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery into our number two. Tom Deanhart, get us a look at the Boilermakers. We'll say hi to Brad Edwards, college football insider with ESPN, college game day at Edwards on Twitter. Mr. Brad, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, just uh, trying to keep up with all the college football news here. It's been it's been an eventful last uh, 24 hours or so. It has, and uh, you have uh, the Big Ten. Guess what, Brad? The Big Ten might be in a bind. Is this shocking to you? <laughs> uh, no, um, and I, I'm expecting that whatever ends up happening will, uh, well, I'm not saying it won't be controversial, but uh, I, don't, I don't think that the Big Ten will end up in a bind. I mean, obviously, um, everything with difficulty playing games and all that, there's no way around that part of it, but as far as you know, the possibility of Ohio State going undefeated, getting left out of the playoff, I, I don't think we have to worry about that. First of all, I don't, think the, I don't think the Big Ten is going to allow them to not play in the, in the conference championship game. If, if they miss another game, I think they will change the rules um, and make sure that they're in there. And uh, if they're in it, they're going to win it. And I, don't, I really don't see who the committee could take other than them, if they're undefeated. So uh, at the end of the day, it's going to get done. It's just a question of how many other games in the Big Ten that everyone wants to play end up getting played. That's just it. And the Big Ten will will shift and refocus. Barry Alvarez is asking maybe to revisit that six-game threshold to get to a conference title game. Nebraska fans, meanwhile, have been – vocal on Twitter. This is what Nebraska was asking for in October when uh, their game early on in the year uh, got canceled week two against Wisconsin. Can we go outside the conference? No, go back to your room. You know, it's kind of the feeling. Yeah. And and, uh, and now uh, special rules or special changes for Ohio State. Look, Ohio State's good enough to be in the playoff. Ohio State needs a shot to be in the playoff and it's a nice payday for the conference in a crazy year. I, I get the greater good here. And uh, Elijah made the point earlier about Nebraska and Ohio state really being vocal about playing. So they've kind of had each other's back in this, but uh, I mean, it's just, it's just funny that the big 10 didn't uh, think more forward about safeguards and the ability to, to factor in some bye weeks Everyone else has, I look at, I mean, look at what the ACC's done. I mean, they're, they're creating a pathway for a right. way to get yeah. either Clemson or Notre Dame into the playoff. The or SEC, both. Yeah, or both. And the SEC's kind of throwing darts at that. Uh, if 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 the, uh, the Big Ten does not change course and Michigan's got to opt out and Ohio State's just slammed with a third cancellation, could you see A&M jumping Ohio State? And get no. in. No? Nope. No, because there, I mean, there are a couple reasons. 
And Gary Barta alluded to it last night, which is even though there's a pretty big disparity in the number of games played between the teams, if you watch them play, Ohio State's just better. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we know in today's college football how much more important it is to have a really good offense than a really good defense. And Ohio State obviously has the former. Uh, A&M may have the latter, but they definitely don't have the former. And I mean, so unless unless A and M were just to look like a completely different team this week and go out there and and you know uh, go into Auburn and win by thirty five points, then I I really don't see how the opinion could change that Ohio State is just better than Texas A and M. And it's as simple as that. And of course, the other factor here is that if Alabama wins out, Alabama is going to be the number one seed for the playoff. Do you want to put Texas A&M in at number four and have a rematch with Alabama? I mean, Alabama not only beat them by 28 earlier this year, but they've beaten them by about that amount almost every time they've played since Johnny Manziel left. Like they haven't that, since since Johnny Football left town. There's not been a competitive game between Alabama and A&M. If you look at the scores, there'll be one that looks competitive where A&M scored on almost the last play of the game mm-hmm. um, and, and ended up losing by eight. But, um, but that's it. It's, and so would you rather see that or would you rather see Alabama play an undefeated Ohio State, whether they're the Big Ten champ or not? I, I think the answer is pretty simple. Now, my, my point here might be a little irrelevant, but I, I want to bring back, because today I saw uh, what the BCS formula would have ranked the top teams uh, had it still been around today. And you got Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2, followed by Ohio State, Clemson, Cincinnati, Florida, and then you got Texas A&M at 7 and BYU at 8. When you compare that to the college football playoff rankings, uh, there are some discrepancies there. So which do you think is more right? Do you think it's better to have it uh, in the hands of these, what, 20 people, or is it better to have it in uh, the computer formula, in, in your opinion right now? Yeah, I think it's better to have it in the hands of the committee because un- unless you're going to allow the programmers of those computer formulas that you're talking about to to include uh, every detail that could, bo- that could possibly be included, then they're going to be lacking some information that this season would have been very important. And, and much of that is related to COVID. You know, it's, it's one thing to just have your average year where, okay, you know, sometimes the team's going to lose a big game and they didn't have a starting quarterback like Clemson losing at Notre Dame. Um, things like that have, have often happened. What, uh, and of course, the the computer ratings usually don't account for that, and they can. Um, but the BCS didn't didn't actually didn't even want them considering the final scores of the game, much less details like that. So, um, but but this year you have additional details such as Clemson having other starters on the de- defensive side of the ball who were also out because of COVID, and it's just that. This is this is ground that we've never tread on before. You know, where where you've got teams that are quite often without multiple starters. Um, in you know, in the past, it might have been one or two. Uh, now it can be you know double digit numbers who are out. And in the case of of Clemson, I think they were missing four or five starters against Notre Dame, all told. And, but then they come back. They aren't. You know, it's not like it's a season ending injury. And so things like that, I think it's important for people to talk through. Uh, obviously, the situation that could present itself with Ohio State, um, with them having played significantly fewer games than everyone else, how would that affect a given computer formula? I think each one would handle it different. You know, are they looking at the total number of games? Or are they looking at the winning percentage? 
Uh, so I, I think these are these are reasons that the committee is a better way of doing it. I'm not saying that I love all the decisions they make or that there aren't computer models that would say things that the committee really needs to give serious consideration to. Um, but I, I think there there needs to be a human element in it. Brad Edwards with us, ESPN Insider College Football and uh, College Game Day at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad, are, who are your top four? Is it the same as the committee, or do you have? Would you replace somebody? Uh, right now, I'd have the same ones the committee does, and I might even have them in the same order. Okay. Um, you know, I, I do think Clemson is better than Notre Dame, and we'll see that when they play head to head, and Clemson's back at full strength. Uh, but for now, because of head-to-head, um, I, I, and especially since, since Notre Dame hasn't lost a game, I think that's the order they should be in. But I, I do feel like Alabama is better than Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even with that loss, um, I, I think Clemson's better than Ohio State right now. And, you know, we talk about the number of games that Ohio State's played. And I think there's a connection between that and the fact that that – we're a little disappointed with Ohio State. While they've won every game, they haven't necessarily dominated the way that that people have expected them to. And I, I think part of that is due to missing games. Like, remember week was it week two or three? I guess it was week three when Alabama's defense could not get off the field against Ole Miss. All right, that mm-hmm. they looked atrocious. You're looking at this team and you're thinking, "There's no way this team can win a national title with a defense that bad." This is like Oklahoma you know, two years ago, level bad defense. And, and, and yet, um, you, you look at that Alabama team, and while, yes, they're not playing offenses as good as Ole Miss, the last three games, it's actually the last three, well, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's more than three games, but, but the last three full games in the SEC, they've allowed one touchdown, and that was in garbage time against Auburn last weekend. They, they look like a different team defensively. I'm not saying they're going to shut down a great offense. But, um, but they've gotten better because they've been able to play more games and guys who are inexperienced have gotten reps. Ohio State hasn't gotten a chance to do that. And, and so I think this is something that's going to be a real issue for them if they do make the playoff. It's not a lack of talent. It's just a lack of opportunity to get out there on the field in game situations and be able to improve from getting more experience. I think that's what's hurting them right now, and I think um, that's the reason that, that I believe that Clemson is better than they are. Brad, I want to go to Nebraska for a minute. And Nebraska got uh, chopped up quite a bit, uh, not by all in the national in the national media, but by some of the national media for wanting to play and continuing to push back against the Big Ten when it came to fixing the Wisconsin cancel cancelization. And now you're going to have to maybe change some rules for Ohio State or figure things out or maybe have a Nebraska-Ohio State part two. And uh, what, what's your, your response to that? You've always been really fair with Nebraska. They wanted the play to get better, and uh, they didn't get that opportunity uh, with the Wisconsin game, so they got to, to watch week two like a number of teams have had to deal with. But do you think there'll be a, a little bit of a, okay, we, we kind of get you now a little bit, Nebraska, from a national standpoint or – well, will it even be uh, revisited? No, I think most people are kind of focusing on Nebraska's record. Okay, mm-hmm. and they're saying, "Oh, you want to play all these games so bad? Look, look, look how well it's gone for you. See, you, you, you should have chosen not to play." Uh, but I don't think anyone in Nebraska would have said that that was the best thing. You know, sure, you're you're one and four, but um, 
would are you going to be better in 2021 for having played these games? I think there's a chance that you could be. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're going to figure out your quarterback situation uh, going into next spring, or certainly got a better chance to have figured it out. You know, coming out of the spring based on on the reps that everybody's getting this year. And and look, if if you're if you're searching for a silver lining, I mean they they have played two top twenty five teams down to you know down to the wire, and so if you know I mean look it, it's it's easy with Nebraska's standards being what they are because of history to say well you know that this is a complete mess and they're so far away from being where they need to be because most Nebraska fans think that they need to be contending for the playoff. But, but if you're simply asking the question, how far away are they from being a potential top 25 team, you know, I don't think they're that far. And I know some days, like the Illinois game, it feels like they are. I think it's a matter of just getting more consistent, you know, by being able to go out there and, um, and, and do what you're supposed to do, I guess, is the way to do it. Like, mm-hmm. like last week against North Carolina, Notre Dame – won its 30th consecutive game as the betting favorite. That, that doesn't mean they covered the spread. They haven't covered the spread in all of them. But the last 30 times they've been declared the favorite in a game, they've won it. And what that does, that type of consistency, when you're not losing the teams that you shouldn't lose to, you're raising the floor for what your program is. And that's Nebraska's problem. I think we know where their ceiling is at the moment. Their ceiling is kind of at a top 25 level. The problem is, is that their floor on a given week can be much lower than it should be. And, and like I said, you, you raise that floor um, by getting more consistent, and the only way that you're going to get consistent is, is to play more games. And so uh, as, as tough as the season's been, I think it was worth it. That's uh, a lot of folks have echoed those, those thoughts uh, that, that would love to be in the stadium on Saturdays, Brad. And I think that's where Scott Frost is coming from. You're not going to get better unless you play. And this year's been a, a lump-taking year. Brad, about a minute and a half, your reaction to accusations out there that the teams uh, have kind of given COVID a hug to avoid embarrassment on Saturdays. There's some, some, some thoughts out there by folks uh, on ESPN. There's also some snarkiness from uh, a couple of coaches in the ACC towards other programs. Yeah, I don't think anyone is out there intentionally getting COVID in order to get out of playing a game that they're probably going to lose and in some cases get embarrassed on the scoreboard. But I I do think that there probably are situations, and I'm not going to point a finger at any one of them because they're all different. I don't know which one is guilty, but I know there have been enough of them that I think the odds are good that at least someone somewhere along the way has looked at their numbers and said, oh, you know what, we could play. But based on the letter of the law, we're allowed to call it off because we don't have enough players at this position, and I would rather not play than go out and get humiliated. Mm-hmm. And would, would I do the same thing in that position? I, I, I can't tell you for sure that I wouldn't. I hope I wouldn't. But it depends on where my program is and, and how much damage it could do to lose a game by, by 40 points to a conference rival. So um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I tell you this. I give the Pirate a lot of credit for going out there the last two weeks with 40-something scholarship players and playing Georgia and Ole Miss because he he had the numbers where he would have been allowed to call it off, and he played both games. And and they were both competitive and, and, you know, good games all the way to the end. They were right there. And uh, Pirate does uh, his thing with the rebuild and 
It's uh, not for everybody, but those who stay end up usually doing pretty well. Brad Edwards with us, uh, ESPN Insider, college football analyst. Brad, fun chat today. Thanks for your insight as always, man. Always appreciate you jumping on. You got it. You guys take care. I'll talk to you next week. All right. There he is, Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider, college football. Really good stuff. Loved his take on Nebraska, and uh, that was really uh, nice to hear from a, from a national voice. We'll get some thoughts on a guy who knows the Big Ten pretty well and Purdue. Tom Deanhart's next to Tail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk Purdue and some Big Ten. Welcome in. Tom Deanhart with us. And uh, can find Tom on Twitter at Tom Deanhart one Covers Purdue for goldenblack.com. Tom will get into Nebraska, Purdue, the Diaco Bowl, all the excitement for, for Saturday in just a second. What's your read real quick, though, with, the, with Ohio State in the Big Ten? There's danger every weekend, right, of, of a team missing a game due to COVID and a cancellation. I, I read some of Barry Alvarez's comments earlier about maybe revisiting that, that six-game threshold. What do you see shaking out, or do you think the Big Ten stands pat with how things are? Well, I tell you what, I, I guess I'm in the camp where I hope they can go in and revise those rules. I hate the fact the Big Ten has boxed itself in like this. You know, if there's one thing we've learned, I think, throughout this pandemic is you've got to be adaptable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, I think the Big Ten's got to be adaptable in the situation. You don't want to box out the best team in your league from getting an opportunity to play for the league championship. So I guess I'm hoping that uh, cooler heads prevail and, and maybe the Big Ten can revise those rule requirements. That'd be great. And if, if things don't work out, I mean, Nebraska is supposed to have Minnesota here to end the regular season. I don't know if uh, a, a part two would be appetizing for Nebraska fans, but would, would you would you rematch in Ohio State, Nebraska, if that's the route you had to go? Would the league allow that? Or would the league allow uh, BYU to maybe sneak in and, and check in with Ohio State or, or an Ohio State-Cincinnati showdown? I don't think you'd see the, the, the league go outside and for, for an opponent. And they, I, I, I guess, you know, when they first came up with that, that, that last cross-division matchup, I don't know if that's what you're alluding to, but mm-hmm. I think they want to try to avoid um, rematches if sure. they can. Um, but, again, who knows, Chris? Again, I think there's got to be a lot of flexibility here. And, you know, we've already seen two games canceled this weekend within the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, you just have to be adaptable and, and be willing to make some compromises and, and changes because, you know, what really the victory this year in a lot of ways is just getting these games played. And right now we really seem like we're limping toward that finish line, doesn't it? We are. Dom Deanhart's with us, and he's joining us here on Varsity Radio. You find him, goldandblack.com, covers Purdue. And I've uh, been around the Big Ten a long time, Tom. So what's your impression of, of Nebraska's 2020 with how things have gone from afar? I know you've seen this program up close, too. But uh, what's your reaction to the way things have shaken out for, for Nebraska and Coach Frost? Well, tough year. Um, you know, it seems like the offense is still really looking for some type of an identity. Um, a lot of quarterback runs. It sounds like they're going to continue to play two quarterbacks on Saturday when they get here to West Lafayette. McCaffrey and Martinez are proven adept at moving the ball with their feet. Uh, 
passing the football, that, I guess that's another question. You know, the, the receiving core there hasn't been stellar. Not much production with running backs as well. I know they like their line. And defensively, I think they're playing well. They seem to be pretty, pretty evenly uh, talented in all three levels of that defense. And, and you know, you mentioned off the top, Chris, the Diaco Bowl, right? Uh, Nebraska fans, I'm sure, don't have fond memories of 2017, Bob's only year there in Lincoln with Mike Riley. And I tell you what, here in West Lafayette, uh, you know, things started off well in the opener against Iowa, a 24-20 win. The defense looked good. But with each successive week, Purdue's allowed a larger number of points. And the last two games in particular, the defense has not looked very good. Purdue's been in every game. I mean, their their record could could be flipped around. I know they're in the midst of a three game skid, but the way you started out, you you kind of held on against the the Illini. Uh, yeah. you, you did really well. I mean, Bell went off, and that's with no Rondale in the lineup, and uh, he was a difference against Iowa. But you're right there against Northwestern, and you know where's the, where's the team's morale? And and back to Diaco as well. You know, with this team, how's the connection been with Diaco and this defense he, he inherited? I know from just my time watching Purdue, you guys have always had a couple of dudes on the defensive line that can can get after the quarterback. You've been good against the run, and you've had some athletes uh, defensively. I know you were trying; uh, Purdue was trying to upgrade, but it, you know it's 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 tough a lot of times in that first year with a new coordinator. Yeah, it is. And, you know, back to your point about the close games, you're exactly right. Purdue's been in in every game this year uh, that they've lost. Uh, two and three, you mentioned the three-game losing streak. All five Purdue games have been uh, decided by a total of 28 points. So you can see the small, you know, window of margin for error for Purdue here in these close ball games. And Last week, they gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown against Rutgers, which really proved to be the difference. The week before Minnesota on a Friday night, you get a 27-yard field goal block, and they missed a 33-yard field goal. And they lose a three-point ball game. Mm-hmm. Of course, that game was noteworthy for the offensive pass interference <laughs> call on three late, uh-huh. which took away what could have been a game-winning touchdown. So, again, when you're playing these close games, you've got to be buttoned up. You can't beat yourself. And they've had some problems on special teams. And defensively, uh, they can't get off the field on third down. It killed them last week. Chris, if you can believe this, Rutgers had the ball for over 13 minutes of the fourth quarter last week. That's incredible. I know that, yeah, they can't get off the field. They have one turnover generated the last three games. They've got one sack in the last three games. So while that defense has done some good things, again, they're still struggling for takeaways. They're struggling to get sacks. And again, they're struggling to get off the field on third down. Tom Dean Hart with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Tom, the Huskers themselves are no stranger to losing close games too. Um, but from a Purdue perspective, where do you think Purdue can beat the Huskers on Saturday? If they do uh, get the job done, in what position group do you think uh, the win falls on? Well, I mean, I, I think it's more side of the ball. And for Purdue, it's always going to be the offense. They're never going to have a three-and-out defense that's a lights-out 1985 Chicago Bears or 2000 Baltimore Raven defense. They can just never get that type of personnel, so they're going to always bleed some points and yards on that side of the ball. So you're going to have to win with your offense, typically, at Purdue. And a lot of the defense went through their, their, I guess, their bloody resume, so to speak, of late. Um, And you still have to throw some of the blame at the offense's feet, too. Um, Like I talked about in the second half, when you get the ball, you have to be able to move it keep it away from the opposition with your ground game, which has been a little spotty for Purdue this year. So 
Again, Purdue's wide receivers, Moore, Bell, they have an emerging tight end in Payne Durham. They have a good quarterback in, in, in Jack Plummer. Uh, that's going to be the side of the ball. And the receivers in particular, I think, gives Purdue an advantage. And, and if they're going to win this ball game, if they're going to beat Nebraska for a third time in a row, going to have to be because of their wide receivers, the quarterback playing their offense in general. Tom Deanart's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, goldenblack.com. Tom, what you laid out, Nebraska's better defensively, all right, but these two teams sound like twins. Am I wrong? Well, I think you're right. I know Nebraska's secondary is very talented, mm-hmm. and they, they've got some, some veterans on that side of the ball, and it's going to be a fun matchup watching their secondary unit going against Purdue's receivers. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of heartache, a lot of similarity, I guess, a lot of strength <laughs> that are the same, too. And and it's been a fun series. Like I said, the last, you know, heck, the last four games, honestly, when Nebraska won a game here in 2017 on, like, the last drive of the game, Purdue won in Lincoln in 2018. They had to hang on, and they won pretty won again here last year. I think they had to rally late to beat the Huskers. So it's been a fun, competitive series that's gone down to the wire pretty much each these last three years. Tom, last year's Purdue game still, I mean, there's there's a lot of one possession, three to seven point losses during the Frost tenure, but man, you you look back at, at last year's game in West Lafayette, Nebraska jumps out 10-0, they end up settling for a field goal, could have gone up 17-0, some uh, play calling that's still criticized to this day, you know, inside the 10. Uh, and then you have the incredible play call by Brom with the quarterback keep, right? That, that sucks the uh, the outside linebacker in to, to go ahead. That game a year ago is still circled by Nebraska fans. You beat Purdue on the road. You go get Maryland. And then you're looking potentially at a seventh win but you're at least bowl eligible, right, with uh, the Iowa game a year ago. So this game has always been extremely tight. And, uh, you know, Purdue has won their fair share. I know it's not happened this year, but Brom's pretty good, isn't he? I mean, he's just got that knack as far as making the right call at the right time if he has the opportunity with possession. Well, he's done okay. I'll be honest with you. I've got something I'm going to run tomorrow. Uh I went back and chronicled, you know, he's been here since 2017. Mm-hmm. I went back and chronicled his one-loss record in games decided by seven points or less. And it's 7-15. It's oh. Um, so he hasn't exactly distinguished himself. He's been good he's against Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I guess you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, right? Yeah. But by and large, he is, uh, I mean, the one-loss record does not reflect kindly on him when, when it comes to games decided by a touchdown or less. And, like I said, you got to keep things buttoned. You can't beat yourself. That's something a team like Northwestern typically doesn't do. They, they, they play a good, sound brand of football. And uh, I wait for you to make the big mistake and then crunch time and then steal that ball game from you. So, again, Purdue's still kind of very much a work in progress, even though we're in year four of the Brom era. I'll be honest with you, fans are getting a little antsy here. Um, Brom's in no peril, of course. Sure. But again, you'd like to see a little bit more progress um, because he got the Bulls his first two years, but four and eight last year. This year, two and three, trending the wrong direction. Uh, again, uh, they really would like to finish this year stronger. They have Nebraska, then they go to Indiana. Not going to be a treat. Mm-hmm. And of course, their crossover game is going to be against somebody like Michigan. 
Well, and, you know, that's – I got about two minutes here, a little less than, but you've been around the Big Ten, Tom Dean Hart with us. Your reaction to just where Michigan's at, and is is this a, a, a one-hit wonder for Indiana, or is this got some momentum with Coach Allen there? I know he had a good year last year, 8-4, and four, but this year – uh, they were special, and we'll see what they can salvage without Penix. Yeah, it's hard. That's the thing. You know, they're going to go with Tuttle, Utah transfer, big drop off from Penix, obviously. Sure. And I think he's got. I think Tom Allen's got a solid program in Bloomington. But we saw PJ Fleck have a year like this last mm-hmm. season. They sort of came back to earth. Things go in cycles. I do think the foundation is there, but they're not going to be as awful as, as they typically have been from time to time. So credit Tom Allen. You know, Jim Harbaugh, it seems like if you listen and, and, and to enough of the national people and, and read enough stories, it sounds like he may have a chance probably to come back if he wants to come back in Michigan. It's probably going to be his call, maybe with some staff changes, especially Don Brown, the D.C. So, yeah, I know he's a little bit of an oddball, but he still has a pretty good overall record. And I guess the big X factor is just this whole year yeah. with COVID, the strange circumstances. Do, do we give a pass to a lot of these guys? I don't know, but uh, I think that's probably going to be the case. A lot of these coaches are going to get a pass given the, the craziness and the circumstances trying to play football amid this pandemic. Tom Deanart with us, Sale Varsity Radio, goldenblack.com. Tom, you take care, stay safe and healthy. Thanks for a few minutes. Uh, you guys, thank you for having me. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Talk Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with this. Dr. Ben, did you get all the turkey crushed? We try to eat as much as possible, Chris. That's for sure. <laughs> well, good. How about yourself? We uh, we went the, uh, the the prime rib and the short rib route on the smoker, and it was fantastic. Nice. We dabbled in a little prime rib as well, so we kind of do it a little atypical for traditions. Well, you know what? Dabbling in prime rib is, is never a bad thing, man. That's uh, <laughs> You can do that on any holiday. I know. Well, uh, a tough one on, on Black Friday, uh, Colin Miller. Uh, the week before was uh, knocked out and just a scary scene at Memorial Stadium against uh, Illinois. And uh, Miller uh, on his feet and helping out his guys on the sideline against Iowa. And wanted to dive into uh, the spinal concussion topic and injury. And uh, it, it's such a, a physical, violent game that no matter all the precautions you take as an athlete and as a football player, that wrong hit can, can really uh, cause a lot of fright. And uh, this is something that Nebraska and players uh, in the college level and the NFL all uh, you know have to think about in the back of their mind, probably. Yeah, absolutely. You know, over the last, you know, decade, I say we've taken such dramatic measures to try and avoid these types of head injuries and neck injuries, but it just goes to show you that the violence in the sport, no matter how many precautions you have, accidents can still happen. It's just with that perfect, perfect storm of a type of hit that uh, can send these athletes in these type of injuries. So when, when a athlete gets a spinal concussion, is there one 
certain particular way, or is there varied ways that this type of injury can happen? Well, I mean, you look at a lot of these guys, these massive hits that you see on a weekly basis, and nobody ever has these spinal concussions. And so for whatever reason, the body and the, the spinal cord is in a spurs, or is in a specific type of, type of injury pattern, and it gets jolted, and that's how you get damage to the spinal cord. And so contrary to like a, the regular concussion you hear where you get the brain injury, this is actually related to the spinal cord. And, um, you know, like in Colin's scenario, you get this kind of transient paralysis where you can't feel anything or you aren't able to move your fingers or toes or, or anything like that. And you kind of wait for the, wait for the extremities to wake up, you know, as he was being carted off, it looked like he was moving his hands, but everything below that, it was a little suspect. Well, and, and when you have this spinal concussion, it's temporary sensory impairment in motor weakness, and you kind of laid it out earlier, that uh, perfect st- storm the wrong way, um, you take a hit the exact wrong way, and that's what can cause this. Absolutely, and fortunately for him, you know, the worst-case scenario when people have these injuries, you always worry about permanent paralysis, and you're kind of in that waiting game until you wait for those sensory symptoms to wake up you know it can last myriad of time you know kind of studies have shown in the past it lasts 24 to 72 hours but when that's your body and you're waiting those 72 hours to wake up it's devastating for a while it'd be absolutely frightening when it comes to that waiting game the the medical procedure and the monitoring that goes on what are some of the steps that that the medical side takes not only with the the waiting game, but also, you know, after, okay, you get feeling back, what are some of the steps that happen to to monitor and, and, and keep an update on where things are at? Obviously, the communication, but just from a technology standpoint, there's lots of new uh, instruments, I would think, that can help determine and, and diagnose. Absolutely. Well, you know, and as... Some of it comes back and he's able to feel, you know, no no amount of studies really going to compensate for the fact that his sensations coming back, sure. no matter what the study says. But, you know, I'm sure once they transferred him, you know, going back to the basics, you know, they stabilized his head to make sure they don't do any further damage if he did have an actual spinal cord injury. Um, took him to the hospital. I'm sure he actually got an MRI to make sure that there was nothing broke, mm-hmm. you know, in the cervical spine or anything like that. Um, and then... You know, you just monitor for stimulation of whether you can feel types of um, variety of pinpricks or dull sensation or sharp sensation, what have you. Um, and, you know, I don't think in the short term, really, there's any type of study that you're going you're gonna to do to check those motor, motor or sensory impulses. But you just wait for the gradual return of it. Um, as long as there's nothing catastrophic on the MRI or on the other imaging studies, it's just it truly is a waiting game. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking spinal cord concussion. And as far as this injury, the, the, the lasting effects, is there a weakness in strength in some of the extremities? Is there a likelihood of if you've had it once, you're going to get it again? Let's talk about uh, the long term of just normal functionality as a person being able to I don't know, walk the class or 
you know, just just do what you've been doing your whole life. Right. Well, there's not a lot of information out there and it's still, you know, kind of variable on what the consensus is for how to treat these. But similar to regular concussions, when you have brain injury, you know, you're waiting for that swelling or the edema in the spinal cord to basically kind of dissipate or you know, just improve over time with the healing. And so um, theoretically, if, you know, even though you saw him on the sidelines walking around um, last weekend, but, you know, if he were to go back and get another hit and jolt that spinal cord, the second injury around theoretically can be much worse um, with potentially more damage and then a slower recovery time. Um, And then, you know, beyond that, the second and third types of injuries, you don't know how much of that's going to recover. Um, still weren't even sure if everything was going to recover after the first time. So um, you don't rush these athletes back into play. And it's still controversial on what the exact timing and kind of stepwise approach um, there is to basically letting these athletes come back. I think with the short amount of games left that we have, I think the wisest decision for him was to keep them out. Mm. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. And uh, we're talking the spinal cord concussion. And uh, is there anything that, that comes to mind in, in the research as far as when this kind of came on the radar uh, of injuries? Well, I think, you know, it's probably happened for years. And a lot of times we probably never knew what it was. But I think over the last 10 to 15 years that we've learned a little bit more. But still, I think spinal concussion is still, you know, behind um, the studies that we have on brain concussions. And, you know, we have all these um, return to play type activities for concussions regarding the brain, but this is a lot less common injury. So, you know, I just don't think we're seeing a lot of it. And so I think the knowledge that we have on return to play is not quite as concrete. You know, this has been misdiagnosed as a stinger, but the the way the 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 you know medical advancements have happened this is more so on the grid so to speak so there's uh it feels like there's a lot less misdiagnoses with this absolutely yeah those stingers that you know guys used to get back 20 30 40 years ago it makes you wonder if some of these types of injuries are actually occurring mm. dr ben thanks for a few minutes on the spinal cord concussion have a good rest of your week and we'll do this again you as well chris thanks Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, busy today. Big thanks to Mike Babcock, Mike Shuhart, Brad Edwards, fantastic on Nebraska, the Big Ten. In the Ohio State playoff situation, Tom Deanhart got a slowdown on Purdue. It's the Diaco Bowl, of course, but I always think of Seabass when it comes to the Boilermakers. Uh, three Boilermakers, please, from uh, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, oh, that man took, over there, Seabass? Took me a second, okay. Yeah, yeah. See, I was thinking, I thought you were talking like Sebastian Janikowski. No, I mean, that's, I that's like, the other Seabass, right? <laughs> I like, oh, did, did he so we, have, we need to do another stake and a beer bet. I'll take the points in Baltimore. The game's already happened, hasn't it? I, I, yes, it's over. <laughs> I'm just making sure here. No, it's over. It's over. It's yeah. a joke. Uh, Pittsburgh 19, <laughs> Baltimore 14. It's going to give you Pittsburgh, but I needed the points. Now, Trace McSorley sighting. 
Yeah, a 70-yard touchdown pass. To Hollywood. Yeah. It was pretty nice. I wasn't expecting that game to be so close, but... I have seen more pictures and our old buddy Kevin Suits tweeting out the, the picture of Diaco uh, heading into North Stadium in the Argyle sweater, the jeans, the shades, and he gave everybody a peace sign in the media that day and it's like yep 825 for one year 875 for the second year <laughs> bang and uh good info uh from tom dean hart on purdue tomorrow gary barnett will be with us brandon vogel the pride of chicago danny burke we may have a grant wistrom sighting Working on old number 98. Uh, I want to remind you about buckling up 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska. Not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. This is, like, cruel. But I've seen enough pictures of, of Diaco. Right, and Diaco's one of one of many people blown out here over the last fifteen, seventeen years at Nebraska, but it'd be kind of dark humorish to have like a, a fired section. In the cutouts, yeah. In the cutouts. <laughs> and, and and put it behind uh either the West or the East Stadium. And put him behind, you know, a few pillars, little coach's graveyard of sorts. Well, not not just just a a a, a lottery ticket type deal, <laughs> right? Because I mean, you paid out millions upon millions to people, so that's the uh, that's you were asked to leave, <laughs> paying you to go away section. So let's uh, get caller number five right now. Caller five. That last Jet Splash gift card for $25 right now. We'll give away another one tomorrow. We'll give one away on Friday. But Collar 5 right now gets a $25 gift card to Jet Splash. This is a good test today to see who's listening to the end of the show. No, I know. I said three. (laughs) You and I, maybe. We're not eligible. 466-3776-466-3776-1800-825-5865. Collar 5 right now. Gets a $25 gift card to Jet Splash Car Wash. Good to see Elijah Herbal. Chris Schmidt back at you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity.